I came across this article published 10 years ago that promises 23 incredible new technologies you'll see by 2021. Let's see how right they were. All right. What's what's the first one? They predicted the rise of electronic paper. I mean, what is that, a Kindle? I like that 4G will be the new standard. Uh, unfortunately, it still is. But they also predicted a $100 personal DNA sequencing tool. Is that 23andMe? 2016, they predicted space tourism will hit mainstream. Oh, a sunscreen pill. We didn't make it. Man, that would have been good. Boy, that would be handy. I really think the pharma industry is keeping down the sunscreen pill. No, well, I think Bath and Body Works, they, they just don't want the sunscreen pill to come out. Or whoever makes it. Banana Boat. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and patient engagement strategies for hospitals, health systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into digital tools, solutions, and strategies that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information with you and have fun along the way. Thanks for joining us. Now, here are your hosts. All right, welcome to episode number 206 of Touchpoint. This is our second recording of the new year. I am Reed Smith. That is Chris Boyer. Hey, Reed, you're sounding very clear and crisp today. You must be using a new microphone. Yeah, maybe something for recommendations later in the show. You never know. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, I mean, the, the microphone's appropriately close to my mouth now versus probably previous recordings over the last several years. It's actually where it's supposed to be. Anyway, sorry, uh, we digress. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in. Thanks for uh, coming back. If you are a previous uh, listener, if you're new to the show, welcome. In either case, we would like to give a quick plug for the website touchpoint.health. That's where you can find out more about the show you're listening to, this particular episode, or maybe another show on the network. Head over there. You can check out uh, stuff like The Exam Room, Healthcare Insight for Marketers, which is one of our newer shows, The Morning Fix, also a new show. Really, really had some great episodes at the uh, towards the end of 2020, so I uh, would encourage you to go check those out and sign up for the TPS report while you're there. It's a weekly email that comes out. It's got five stories aggregated by our show host. Promise it won't take a lot of time or a lot of inbox space, but every Monday morning you'll get that and can click around and see what's going on. On the interwebs. We're going to pause for just one second, let you do that, and we'll be right back with today's show. Chris, in today's digital age, your online reputation, as we all know, is crucial. With customers relying on online reviews, your first impression is also compared directly with your competitors. Sure is. And Reed, consider this. 86% of patients today read online reviews and 73% demand that that healthcare provider has a minimum four-star rating. Demand. They demand it. Yeah, they do. Well, to stand out, choose reputation to help amplify your brand and to build trust. Be the provider of choice in your area, understand patient sentiment, get actionable insights, and even foster patient loyalty. And look, here's the easy way you could do that. All you need to do is go visit reputation.com slash touchpoint. That's reputation.com slash touchpoint, where you can download their healthcare online reputation management guide and build a reputation that performs for you.
So last summer, Reed, I presented at the Virtual Healthcare Marketing and Physician Strategy Summit, or the forum as we know it, with Brian Gresh about a type of marketing that we haven't really talked about before here, at least not directly, not calling it out by name. And so that's why today's podcast is going to be a conversation about conversational marketing. Uh, conversation about conversations. It's very meta, isn't it? Everybody's tuning out now. No, this will be great. This will be great. No, conversational marketing, that, that's interesting because we've talked about lots of forms of marketing, certainly. Most commonly and broadly speaking, digital marketing is ultimately kind of what we talk about as a genre, if you will. We touch on traditional marketing as well, but we talk about different types of marketing, even personalization and things like that we've talked about through the years. And so conversational marketing Let's start off first by defining what actually is conversational marketing. We found an article from a B2B marketing firm called The New Breed, which does a really good job kind of outlining what conversational marketing is. The definition, as they put it, is uh, conversational marketing occurs when you engage with prospects and customers in real time as in a personalized way as possible. So as personalized as you can in real time. So I think those are two key elements here is what I'm taking away reading the definition because most of the time it's not in real time, right? That's that's not exactly how we're communicating with people. Certainly email, you know, we're sending it to people that are getting it kind of on their own schedule. They may respond back in their own way or their own schedule or not at all. It sounds a lot like customer service to me, but I think we'll probably dig into that. And then the personalized piece. So everybody uh, is a little bit different, has a little bit of a different need. And uh, so those two things, uh, I, I think, are really the two components that, that make up conversational marketing. Yeah, they go on to say, though, that technically you could consider certain social media platforms, such as Twitter, good channels for conversational marketing because you can communicate with customers almost immediately on an individual level. So now they're already starting to walk it back a little bit, almost immediately, not real time. Well, and we've seen this, right? And we know people, and we've probably even done it ourselves to some degree. And a lot of people do this. Again, I, I said customer service a minute ago, but you see people reaching out to their cable company or an airlines or whatever it is because they have, maybe they're miss, they're gonna, they, they know they're going to miss their connecting flight. And Twitter has been a great channel when you're sitting on an airplane. Yeah, I mean, I think absolutely Twitter is a good channel because it, it does allow you and that's why Twitter chats were so popular and still are popular, is that real time and connection to real people. You know, another technology that they uh, relate to conversational marketing is one that we have talked about before, Reed, chatbots. There has been a rise in chatbots. Many organizations are now implementing chatbots on their website. Many healthcare organizations are doing this. And what they're doing even further is they're infusing sort of human-like personalities and brand tone and voice, so to speak, in these chatbots to help communicate with web visitors, even though sometimes you're communicating with something that's not a human, right? It's a it's AI-driven conversation. And I think, you know, and let's be, let's be clear and kind of draw some distinctions here. I, I would say uh, a vast, I'm a, I was going to say the majority, that's probably not fair. Uh, a lot of websites I go to now have the little floating little button, you know, on the homepage that looks like, hey, click here to chat. And there's no one there, right? And it's really just kind of a customer service portal or kind of quick links to a help desk. And maybe there are live people there at certain times of the day or certain, you know, but in a lot of times you type your information in 
and they get back to you later. That's not really what we're talking about when we say chatbot. We're talking about you know engaging with either AI technology, like you just said, Chris, or uh, an actual person that you're actually having a conversation. It's not kind of that little self-service module, which I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those. There's actually some great functionality there, but that's not what we're talking about. This article, by the way, uh, is kind of high level, but we it, it caused us to go actually even a little bit deeper. And we found an article that actually gets even further into defining these conversational marketing tools and tactics, et cetera, by, surprisingly enough, HubSpot. They wrote a good blog post called The Beginner's Guide to Conversational Marketing. Let's drill into that a little bit more, and maybe here we could start to define how does all of this stuff kind of fit together? Well, and in this article, they talk about the key elements for conversational marketing. And so I think that's an interesting you know, kind of way to step through this. So the first thing they call out, which we've mentioned, is conversations happen in, in real time. Conversational marketing, they say, uh, is an asynchronous relationship, meaning that conversations should occur whenever the customer prefers. Uh, whether that's real time, like we just said, uh, after they finish their meeting, later in the night, et cetera. But this idea that, um, and, and I should have said that conversations happen in, in customer time is how they kind of call it out. But the idea that you know you can have these conversations when it best meets the need of the consumer. Customer time could be, you know, typically, and I've done this myself, where maybe you start a conversation in the morning, then work happens and you go do some work and mid morning, you come back to that conversation and then you start to do, you know, work on a little bit more. And then you come back at the end of the day. That is in the customer time, right? So maybe you want to have those interactions real time, but it's it's spread out through a series of different, you know, incidences. You know, another way to think about it too is, is you might start on a mobile phone and then you go to a computer. You're not only moving from real time, but you're also moving in real time devices, right? As you're interacting with that brand. Yeah. And I think, you know, somewhere that, that people may correlate that too. I've noticed on Teams, Microsoft Teams will do that. You know, as more people are working from home, certainly you may start a Teams call on your iPad or on a phone. Uh, and then when you get to your desk, you can kind of transfer that, if you will, to your desktop, et cetera. So a similar scenario. Another key element of conversational marketing is that conversations are scalable. When you're talking to one customer real time or customer time, you should be able to also do that to 500, 5,000 customers, so to speak. When you think about like scaling your marketing efforts, that doesn't mean that you have one individual talking to 5,000 people. What you have to do is you have to figure out how you can scale these using automation, using chatbots, using sort of this this ability to address some of the the more simpler conversations automatically. Well, and this is where they say, you know, a lot of small, medium-sized businesses can kind of participate alongside those with these big giant call centers. And that's where the AI and the chatbot piece comes in is it allows you to be more scalable because the consumer doesn't care that you're trying to connect with 500 people. Uh, I say they don't care. I mean, I think people are reasonable, but certainly in a customer service standpoint, it's like, listen, I'd like to have this conversations now, which back to the first point of doing it in the, in the customer's timeframe. Well, to be able to do that, it's got to be able to scale and and take, take advantage of a lot of this technology and um, AI power and things like that. The third key element is conversations have context Conversations can't, they say, can't exist in a vacuum. 
they need context and should get smarter as you collect more information. You have a lot of people coming to a website asking the same questions. You learn from that over time, right? The other thing too, they say, is that it's the context should happen over that multiple period of time. I mentioned earlier, right? If you start the conversation in the morning and then you come back at lunchtime and maybe at the end of the day, you want to have that, that consistent context there. Or let's say you're reporting a, a problem with something that you ordered and then you chat the next day about needing return instructions. You're hoping they have information against your whole record, right? I mean, they want to know all those transactions. Same is true for healthcare too, right? Right. And this is some of the biggest issues I have when I call in for customer service related things, right? And typically you're talking to a live person and you've got to go through the whole explanation every time. Context is really important. And I think this is where technology can actually become an enabler for even these in-person conversations to really provide that context. Yeah, they stress here, it's so important to make CRM part of your conversational marketing strategy for that very reason, because then you could track all your customer interactions over time. So what's the last element here, Reed? Conversations meet customers where they are. Conversations, they say, should happen on the channel that best suits your customer, right? And so we talked a little bit about this earlier. This may be over the phone. Uh, this may be inside Facebook Messenger, for example, or on your website's chat or Twitter, like we mentioned, uh, et cetera. You want this to be where the, the customer, not only in their time frame, prefers it, but also on the medium they prefer to have it in. Very, very important. So if we think about those key elements, I think it, it starts to paint a better picture of what conversational marketing can be. When we come back from the break, read, let's talk about some of the benefits of implementing conversational marketing. Then we can dive into a little bit about some of the use cases that we are seeing in healthcare. Coming soon from Greystone, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media, live from HCIC, a new podcast that brings you front row access to the latest innovative strategies that are shaping tomorrow's healthcare industry. In this 12-part series, as recorded live at the Healthcare Internet Conference, we'll hear from industry experts such as Paul Matson of the Cleveland Clinic, Kathy Smith of Roper St. Francis Healthcare, David Feinberg from Mount Sinai Health System, Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine, and many others. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or your favorite podcasting platform. This podcast series is brought to you by Greystone.net, Bowstring, and Touchpoint Media. All right, so before the break, we talked a little bit about those key elements, what makes up conversational marketing. Now we're going to talk a little bit about the benefits of conversational marketing. Why do it? Why, what's, what's the advantage? What's the upside? Yeah, so first off, they, they put forward that conversational marketing is a delightful way for customers to get answers. Delightful. The more people interact with content that they can understand, and it's easier to understand. It's a lot easier to chat with a rep or even a bot to get an answer than to go kind of clicking through a website and scrolling and searching different things. I mean, so that's one of the first aspects of conversational marketing is it provides an easier way or, or, or a better experience where you're getting information rather than having them follow the traditional channels they have in the past. 
Conversational marketing is a great way to gain new and valuable insights about your customers. And so again, we talk about CRM. We mentioned CRM earlier. If you think about it, the more conversations you have with people, just even in your daily life, it gives you context, right? Like, oh, this is where they're from. This is their background, their experiences, you know, what they do for a living. All these things kind of build this picture of who this person is in your life. Well, this is the same scenario as a business, right? And so you're gaining those insights through these conversations and it allows you through that context, I think, later to bring back and even provide value. Again, back to that first point, to, buy, to provide value uh, back to, to the uh, consumer. Actually, we talk about this later on in the interview that we have in the show. What conversational marketing actually allows customers to do is actually overtly express their intent or the reason why they're talking to you. And so it makes for a much better medium where you can actually truly understand your customer. In the past, we've been like culling through Google Analytics and trying to track to see how people are interacting with our campaigns to get, you know, some kind of understanding about where the uh, where their next action is or how do we scale these scale these solutions for better, right? Conversational marketing gets right to understanding not only the immediate concerns and hopefully you can solve them, but then using those those interactions to determine ways to improve your website, for her example. The last and probably the most important piece here is conversational marketing is a great way to build relationships. We keep talking about experience and engagement as being important parts of digital. Well, if you're having a conversation with your customers directly, whether it's through automated chatbots or even through online chat forums hosted by your your call center or whoever, what you're doing is you're actually building a continuous communication that's more natural and allows you to have a relationship with your customers. And actually, I mean, there's nothing better than solving their problems right then and there, right? Yeah. I mean, this is gaining more insights, helping them. Um, this builds in, it builds relationships, certainly, but especially positive relationships. Certainly, you can you know, turn customers around and things like that through service recovery and all those kinds of fun things. Uh, but really, you know, that's the whole goal here. Because you know, if you're able to build relationships, you're able to uh, keep and retain uh, customers. So let's talk about some ways in healthcare that we're seeing conversational marketing strategies starting to apply themselves. And a lot of these happen not just with the chatbot, but they're happening in multiple different ways. So the first one that we see is a really great use case is that ever-present finding a doctor and scheduling an appointment. That's probably oh, the yes. top task. Chatbots are used a lot on websites to help people through the find a doctor search tool because Quite frankly, sometimes you can't find what you need through the traditional search and 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 locate through the find a doctor. I mean, why do I want to do anything? If I can just ask somebody and get the answer, why do I want to go digging around, right? I mean, the complexity of especially organizations, uh, large even large physician practices, but certainly uh, multi-specialty clinics or large health systems that have hundreds if not thousands of physicians you're just drop down boxes and digging around and is this information current and correct and all that kind of fun stuff. So anyway, yeah, I mean, that's, that's certainly a, a huge use case for it. Um, and, and people will become more and more uh, accustomed to doing it that way. I would think, uh, another one, a symptom checker or kind of virtual triage scenario right now, people are Googling things, 
this isn't a huge leap to then if they're going to another trusted source, maybe their local health system, for example, being able to chat, if you will, uh, and understand should they come to the ER, should they go to urgent care, what about a freestanding ED, what services are available where. You, know, you probably can't do a lot of medical information yet over some of these potentially, but you know, could in this case, triage you to the appropriate, you know, location or what's closest to me and, you know, some of those types of things. You know, this sounds a lot like you're, what you're doing is you're taking your traditional access center, your call center, and automating some of that, right, through these tools. Because that's really where we're finding a lot of uh, traction around conversational marketing is to help automate your access center, your call center. Another uh, use case, a big one, billing and financial assistance. Clearly, a lot of this comes through because there may be multiple different billing systems, or there may be questions about your bill. And through the process of paying your bill, you may have questions online. So obviously, implementing this in that user flow makes a lot of sense. Well, we have chat to pay. Yeah. Uh, write that down. That's yeah, going to be a great, that's yeah, a good I'm, technology. Okay, hang on. Nobody take that. I'm trademarking it. I'm buying the URL chat to pay. Yeah. I mean, that make, makes total sense, certainly. Cause a lot of, you know, you know, outside of maybe scheduling, finding a physician, I'm sure you know, the billing and financial piece of it is maybe one of the second most common things I see questions that are written complaints, comments on Facebook, you know, et cetera, that kind of thing outside of, you know, maybe patient care issues or something. Another one is uh, patient portal questions. Uh, so certainly we need people in the patient portal and there's probably even chat functionality inside the portal itself, but how do you get in? What do you do? What's it useful for? You know, things like that. It's interesting that you brought that up because many of the EMRs now are implementing chat capabilities within their portals. And it may be in a user flow, they may go from a website-based chatbot to a patient portal-based chatbot. That would be interesting, talking to two chatbots in your same care experience, right? But I think that's an interesting uh, use case. Um, another one that that comes to mind, we talk a lot about digital front door. Well, a lot of digital front door information can be presented in a conversational way. Like, uh, how do I access my medical records? What are your hours of operation? And this is a much quicker way to update that or visiting hours. And I'm, and we're thinking a lot about, you know, in the pandemic, having the capability to have conversational information presented to users of the website is much more meaningful than them searching, for example, uh, through their traditional websites. Yeah, and the last one uh, that we'll mention here is risk assessments. This is another another interesting one because it's a great a way to engage consumers, right, and give them information, give them uh, relevant data and feedback for their particular case, right. And so we see these. You know, our friends over at uh, Medicom Health obviously have some great online health risk assessment tools that folks have used for for years. But yeah, I mean, the risk assessment piece like COVID, for example, our friends over at Loyal, which we'll hear from Brian here in a little bit, had uh, their chat bot called Guide actually set up to be COVID specific. So they offered that up for free. A lot of organizations took advantage of that, you know, to have a chat bot where people could engage with it, ask questions related to COVID, COVID symptoms, those types of things. And uh, it was a, kind of a virtual risk assessment, if you will. Yeah, so those are great use cases. And some of them are like task based, right? I'm trying to complete a task, which traditionally has been very 
difficult to do. Maybe you have to, you know, multiple different tools and systems that you go through. Others are more related to the user experience, kind of simplifying the way to get information, making it easier to get to it. In the presentation that I did last summer, I actually kind of put forward that all of our digital tools and toolkits can be improved by conversational marketing ideas. We've heard about taking a static website and turning it into more personalized and actionable. That's actually embracing conversational marketing strategy into your static website. Social media is another way, right? We, we hear organizations that are enabling now through their messenger apps, ways that you can actually engage with that health system through their Facebook, whatever, automatically. What are some other ways that you could take an old, like maybe a digital marketing 1.0 tool and embed conversational elements into it? Let's think broadly about social media. You know, it was a place that initially was a lot like advertising. You know, we were put, just pushing out content. We weren't having conversations there. And like we said earlier, Twitter being one of those that's maybe most apt for kind of that real-time conversation. Um, so being able to listen, understand what's happening out there uh, and engaging in those conversations. I mean, that's the whole idea of tweet chats even, uh, or hashtags, I should say, in those communities. What about email marketing? Well, we hear email marketing is evolving to marketing automation. What does that mean? That means there is a way that you could actually pull triggers in from your email and react differently and send different types of emails. Again, conversational marketing. And I think that also extends into CRM. Some of those, sometimes those two are tied together. Now your CRMs are evolving across the system where it goes through maybe from your marketing website to your call center, to your clinic, right? So we're seeing enterprise CRMs applied across that whole journey, so to speak. We still do focus groups in a, in a lot of cases, I think. And there's nothing really wrong with focus groups, I think. But but maybe evolving that or making those more around the user experience and the design of the user experience is a way that you know we can be more of a uh, uh, kind of a community around that idea. We're seeing conversational marketing trends impacting or in infiltrating our digital marketing efforts. Right. I think we still have a ways to go, but there are still some exciting things that are being done today, and which leads us to our interview. Uh, I recently sat down with uh, Brian Gresh, who's the president and CEO of Loyal Health, a good friend of the pod. He's been on the show twice before. This is, makes his third entry into the show. So he's on our list, You're right? Moving up the list. He and I sat down and talked about conversational marketing, how he's seeing it being applied in his company, which focuses on chatbots. And we got into some of the things that Loyal has done with health systems over this last year to respond very quickly to COVID, to the questions people were asking on their websites, to getting them to the right information, and how they're starting to use it for vaccine communication to their communities. So it's a really interesting interview. Let's uh, go to that right after this break, and then we'll be back to close up the show. I'm excited for today's Ask the Expert segment of the podcast because I'm talking to a dear friend of ours, a good friend of the show. And Brian, I think that this is your third, fourth fourth time maybe on the program today. Um, that's my friend, Brian Gresh. Welcome. 
Thank you, Chris. It's great to be back. I yeah, is it wow, three or four? It's it I've lost track. It's it's always fun to join. So thank you for having me. You know, there may be some people that may not have heard your voice before on the show. It may be new, or maybe just want to learn and get an update on to what you're up to. So, Brian, would you mind sharing a brief background? Yeah, sure. Um currently I'm the president of Loyal. Um and Loyal for those who who don't know uh, about Loyal. We are a healthcare consumer experience platform company, and we really focus on conversational AI and tools that really help engage healthcare consumers and kind of take them down their, their journey when they're working with a health system. My background, um, before I joined Loyal, I spent about 20 years in the health system world leading uh, digital marketing teams and um, really focusing on on the consumer experience of healthcare. I like the term uh, that you use there, conversational AI, because part of the topic we're going to talk about today is conversational in nature, conversational marketing, that is. But before we get to that topic, you may have seen Brian and I present about this I guess last summer, right at the uh, the on one of the virtual conferences that we had this summer at the forum. My first COVID conference. Yep, exactly. Your first COVID conference. It sounds like a children's book ready to be written. We started off in this uh, presentation where we we talked together, just talking about the concept of consumerism in healthcare and if there really are healthcare consumers. And what I loved about that uh, conversation is you you have a very strong opinion about it. Do you mind sharing that? Yeah, sure. I'm I'm never at a loss to share my opinion, Chris, as you know. Um, <laughs> but, you know, healthcare consumerism, I, I think it's a, a term that's been thrown around a lot. And we certainly at Loyal use it, right? We're, we focus on healthcare consumers. But it's, it's important to recognize that, in, in my opinion, my humble opinion, that healthcare consumers kind of, they kind of go in and out of being consumers um, when they're seeking healthcare services, when they're engaging with their providers. And, and kind of what I mean by that is sometimes they're patients. And um, I think it's important for us, especially as marketers, to think about that because sometimes when we engage with that individual, depending on which part of their journey they're in, um, they may be more or less receptive to maybe some of our marketing messages or the engagement tools that we're using to connect with them. Um, so that's that's kind of how I think about consumerism as it relates to healthcare. Yeah, well, there's also other factors of, I guess, traditional consumerism that may also not be clearly mapped to the healthcare experience. And that is things like, for example, pricing. And I know this year, 2021, we have this you know big movement towards pricing transparency and shoppable services. But in the healthcare setting, does do you think price really matters? I, I think at this current moment, uh, it doesn't. Ultimately, all all things related to the pocketbook matter <laughs> to to yeah. consumers. Yeah. But but when it's in the healthcare space, you know, like it's just you, you don't get that price up front. And and I know that you know there are some health systems that are trying to be more transparent with their pricing, but even in those cases, like most of that's like the charge master or like these very kind of like you know general or or pricing uh, lists, and and we're not really giving people really granular or specific prices, so people really aren't making their choices based on that. And then in most cases, they're covered by their insurance, so they're really not 
even focused on the whole price. They're just focused on the piece they're responsible for. So it doesn't, I, I don't think it's as important currently as it should be or could be going forward. I, I think that we've, we've got to figure out a way to bring pricing into the conversation more and to make it actionable for, for a healthcare consumer. That also lays, leads into the other part of this whole consumeristic model, which is choice, right? I, I think that many healthcare consumers, while we like to think that we have this open choice, we're kind of constrained too by the insurance that we're, that our employer offers or that we purchase ourselves. That restricts the ability for us to go through and make active free market choices. Is that a fair statement? Yeah, oh, I think it's totally fair. Um, you know, again, I, I think that there there are some healthcare services that you you know maybe you shop around for and you compare, but generally, I think people stick to their plan, they stick to their provider directory and who's in their network. Once they establish a provider relationship, you know, they they generally stay within that kind of ecosystem to to get care. So. So, you know, choice is kind of, I think it's, it's restrictive inside the, inside the healthcare consumer market. You know, one of the things that I myself, when I first got into healthcare marketing well over a decade ago, and uh, even over the last 10 years, I've been thinking about this. And I'm also hearing from people that are coming from other industries into the space. The traditional concept of marketing in other industries then doesn't really necessarily apply or maybe might not be a great fit for the healthcare marketing space. So what do you, what do you, what's your perspective on that? How does it impact the way healthcare marketing has to play itself out today? I would agree, you know, generally with that. We don't necessarily have the same kind of purchase path that under other industries have um, as it relates to the way they sell to consumers. Um, you know, there's a lot of, you know, we mentioned like choice around, you know, related to plans and health systems. So there's, there, there's complications there. We, we don't have the same levers that we can pull. Like, you know, you can't give somebody a discount or a coupon on a service. Um, so, you know, there, there's a lot of those kind of basic tools that other industries can leverage that, that health systems or healthcare providers cannot, cannot use. So I think that that naturally causes challenges on the marketing side. Does brand matter? I, I think that's a, you know, that's kind of provocative, right? Like, um, uh, and, and you and I have kind of talked and riffed on this before, but I, I think brand matters in healthcare more like in terms of like reassuring um, healthcare consumers that the system or the provider they're working with is, is a good one. Um, but I'm not sure it matters as much on, when they're making a decision. Again, that's a Brian opinion, but brand is really hard in healthcare um, because, again, you just don't have all of those same levers that you can pull to support it. Ultimately, is it is it as important as other industries? I mean, I mean what's your thoughts on that? Well, I, I, I tend to agree with you on that because it, it, at a certain point in time, the brand becomes very less important. That's why we talk a lot about when we talk about healthcare consumerism, we focus on things that are more like, you know, experience related or, you know, how convenient it is and how, how easy it is to make appointments, like looking at, at the overall experience and less about how often we can put our healthcare brand in front of that, you know, patient along the way, right? 
maybe brand and healthcare is the experience piece. Maybe it's maybe brand is access. Maybe brand is convenience. And maybe brand is ultimately that relationship you have with your healthcare provider. All good things to ponder, Chris. <laughs> no, I, no, these are these are great. But these these concepts that we're talking about actually play really closely into the the topic that we we alluded to at the beginning of this interview, which is this concept of conversational marketing and how that that utilizing conversational marketing may help in in this particular challenge that we we just outlined. How would you define what that is? I, I, this is an important one. So, um, you know, I think I think on, on a maybe on a technical or a transactional level, it's using things like live chat or chatbots um, or search to to allow people to, um, in a natural language way, query or ask questions um, about the services or the products that they're that they're interested in. And making it less about outbound or push marketing, um, and more about allowing the customer to kind of lead that journey by engaging them in a, in a conversation. When I think of conversational marketing, that's that's really how I I think of it or define it. Yeah, and you know, I we've had on the show we've talked about things like you know understanding your customer better, and we've talked about even trying to use previous experiences as a way to kind of guide the new experiences, so to speak, right? And trying to understand that consumer intent. Conversational marketing actually allows you to directly understand consumer intent. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's that's the key. Um, intent is what is what it's all about. So, you know, on in in a lot of maybe past or traditional kind of marketing initiatives, you know, you kind of put out your message, your call to action, and um, you hope that someone arrives maybe on your landing page. Um, but you you don't really 100% know what the intent of their visit is, right? Like, you're, you're, you're kind of guessing. But if you have the ability to then actually engage with that person, and let them tell you, now you've got a whole nother kind of layer of information to work with. And you can decide like, was my messaging successful? Um, do I need to tweak this? Can I learn something? Do, do, are they looking for something more? Can I expand my service offering? So there's, there's just a lot you can do when you start to understand the true intent of that of that user or customer. Now, when you're describing that to really let them tell you what their intent is, um, it might be good to use a, a, an example here, right? And and you and I both know, you know, we, we've chatbots is a great example of that, where they are given the opportunity to actually directly ask that question into like a technology device, a chatbot or or voice or whatever it might be, to say, I am looking for this. Isn't that like what, what we mean by capturing their intent? Yeah, I, I think on just kind of a basic level, yeah, it's it's they put in or they. They speak or either type in what we call an utterance, um, but it's essentially a question like, I need to make an appointment or um, I'm looking for a provider or how do I get there? All of those things tell you the intent of that user. And then with that, a, a chatbot can can respond um, and, it can, and it can provide the information that person's looking for. And what's really cool about it is it can do that without a human having to be involved. So not only is it efficient, um, but there's, there's some resource uh, 
savings there as well. So it's great. One thing that was interesting we were talking about last summer, and it probably is, remains true to even today when we're recording this interview, uh, over the last year with the pandemic hitting health systems across the country, you've seen some very uh, specific, unique, I would dare even say unprecedented expressions of using conversational marketing in, in hospitals and health systems, haven't you? Oh, it, absolutely. And so I, I don't think it's surprising to anyone that health systems have been overwhelmed <laughs> with people calling and having questions, you know, about COVID, about testing, about, you know, where they can get, um, where they can get help and where they can get treated. With that, there's an opportunity to, um, to try to engage people with other, other channels chatbot being one of them. And so we've been helping a lot of health systems across the the country do that, maybe to dispel a couple of myths. Um, uh, One, you know, people don't want to talk with chatbots. I I can tell you that it's absolutely not the case, especially when you see spikes in COVID cases, or, you know, most recently, as vaccine rollout has taken place. I mean, we're, we're seeing thousand percent plus increases in conversation volume around these types of queries. Um, people coming and saying, am I eligible? Where can I get a vaccine? Can you notify me when vaccines are ready? Those are all real questions and real things that people are, are engaging with and asking our, our chatbots. Um, so we're seeing it. We're definitely seeing it across the board. Well, and so in those particular instances that you're describing, and let's maybe focus in on the vaccine uh, use case, because that's one that's relatively new. I think a lot of health systems are thinking about that. Oftentimes, we we can predict what people are going to be asking. But can you help us understand, like in nuts and bolts, how you're using conversational AI as a way to maybe even respond to questions that are new that are, are maybe not exactly what we thought people were going to be asking. Yeah, I, I think maybe I would contrast it with like, say, a traditional FAQ page on a website. An FAQ is, you know, a stated question and then an answer. Um, but humans don't all ask the same question the same way. That's where AI and, and chatbots can can be really beneficial. So rather than trying to anticipate what the question might be or, or just stating the question the way you think it should be, you can let people ask the chatbot a, a wide variety of questions. We, what we do is we kind of, we kind of pull those and categorize those, those questions um, and match them up to different intents. And so as new questions come in, either the bot can say, wait, this looks like this type of question and, and it'll successfully map it to the intent or we capture that. Maybe the bot says, I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. But as those new questions come in, we can start to see trends um, and develop new dialogues and new ways to answer those questions. And I mean, I, I can tell you what was interesting is we saw questions about COVID as early as January of 2020. And you know, it's hard to think back how long ago that was, but the COVID as a crisis really didn't start gaining traction till about March. But we saw those questions coming through the chatbot two months earlier. So we were like, and, and at that point, I mean, we had never heard of COVID-19. So we were like, what is this? Like, do we need to start 
thinking about this. And we would bring that that data back to our customers and say, hey, we're seeing these types of questions come in. How should we answer it? And you know, that led us to create new intents, new dialogues, and and new new features uh, to support to support the the health systems through this kind of pandemic and this this challenge. Right. And unlike, you know, the FAQ example that you had, typically FAQs, they have a question and then an answer. And sometimes they may say, here, go here to learn more. The chatbot and the, the whole conversational component of the, the chat experience is leads them to engage with that right action. So chatbots can work in a couple different ways. There can be kind of more decision tree where you're leading somebody down a path based on, you know, a, a set of questions and answers, or it can be more open where, and that's where we use natural language processing, where they can pretty much just ask open-ended questions and we can, we can kind of break those down and do what we call entity extraction and, um, and really figure out what it is they're, they're looking for. And then, serve them up the correct answer. And while we certainly use the chatbot to maybe give an answer and say, go here for more information, what we're doing, I'd say more and more, we're answering the question directly in the dialogue. We're not sending them off to another place um, and keeping that person engaged. And, you know, you can do that in a lot of different ways. You can kind of break up the dialogue into chunks. You can, um, you can ask them follow-up questions. But ultimately, it's all conversational, right? It's this, it's kind of this back and forth and people really respond to that. You know, I think that's the difference too is, is it feels, it feels better. Um, I think as a user than just looking at static content, it, it's amazing to me. I, I still get surprised at what people will type into a chatbot and we're very transparent. I mean, it says this is a chatbot, right? But, but people will, will ask very personal questions or share very private information through chatbots sometimes that you're just kind of like, wow, I'm surprised they would do that. But again, they feel comfortable. They're looking for answers. And if, and if the chatbot can answer their question, they'll, they'll keep engaging. The more successful it is, the more they will engage and the more they will continue that, that conversation. Yeah, I, I think that's, a, that's really a fascinating part of this, right? It, because you're using that natural language to engage with them, it makes it easier for them to continually utilize the, the chatbot tools as a way to seek out more information and maybe even return over and over again. It's funny, Chris, if we go back to that question or that topic we were, we were discussing around brand, I mean, this literally gives voice to the brand, whether that's through a voice interface like an Alexa or or through a text interface like a chatbot or, or SMS, like it it's literally can be an extension of the brand voice, but actually engaged with that user. So it's I think it's very powerful. It not only enhance their experience, but, you know, hopefully drive towards that ever pressing desire of getting loyalty with your customer. When people feel comfortable, when they feel like they're being heard, they're going to be more likely to, to respond and to continue to engage. Our goal um, in, 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 this, in this product offering, it's, it's really around how do we help continue to extend the voice of, of that health system and, um, and continue to engage those users because 
if we bring it back, I mean, like at the end of the day, there's a business component to this as well, right? And health systems deal with 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 leakage and canceled appointments and and no shows. And if we can re-engage those patients or those customers, that can really help contribute to the bottom line ultimately. So um, that that's one of our our goals as well. I know you don't like to do predictions. I know you don't like to look forward, but we won't hold you to it. What do you think? Is this are, are these types of tools? Are they going to be now just expected and integrated into digital experiences in the future? I'll answer it with a question: <laughs> Were we, our websites a fad? Oh, okay. <laughs> Conversational interfaces are only going to continue to grow, not only with adoption, but just in terms of functionality. Um, and I, I, so I have a couple other kind of predictions around this. There is a whole industry around content marketing. Um, and a lot of that is development of content for web pages and other digital channels. Um, I think there are going to become chatbot content experts that are going to really be experts in dialogue development. Um, how do you write content for conversational interfaces? Um, so I think that that's going to continue to develop. I mean, we have a whole team of people that are just dedicated to writing dialogues for bot interfaces. AI, the other thing is AI is getting better and better. You know, if you if you compare chatbots even just five years ago to today, the technology is just leaps and bounds ahead and continues to improve. The questions we couldn't answer last week, we can answer this week. So my short answer is no, it's not fat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that idea of having uh, you know people just focusing on developing the, those chatbot conversations. I, I bet you those that those people are very really good at, at text messaging too. I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and, and you know we think about all of those different things. Like, how do we use emojis in conversations? I mean, do you use the same types of abbreviations and things that? A lot of people are using now in in text. Do you use that in a chatbot? Is that okay? I think those are things that are evolving. It's a new type of conversation and a new language. So a, a lot of that's still kind of you know TBD, but um, but but it's it's really exciting um, when you start thinking about it. And then voice. You know, we didn't talk a lot about voice, but when I talk about chatbots today, it's there's a lot of text and things, but voice is certainly emerging, right? Um, with healthcare, it's still a little bit, it's, it's going to be kind of slower than maybe some other industries just because we have so many more privacy issues and things like that. But um, certainly it's going to play a huge role. I, I totally agree with you on that too. Boy, we that could be a whole nother conversation that we, we can have, um, you know, around just around voice, et cetera, because I, I really would like to explore that a little bit further again. That just means that you're committed to another another appearance on our show in the future. <laughs> I, I would love to come back and talk about voice. Maybe we can do it through through a chatbot interface or something. And, Ooh, um, interesting. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, have, we'll have the technology convey the questions and answers back and forth to us or something. That would be a first for our podcast, <laughs> and I think I would really enjoy that. But um, Brian, before I let you go, um, 
many people want to know more where they can learn about you and and also what you do what your company does because I know you write about this on your blogs and things like that. What are ways that they can get a hold of you? I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. You can always track me down on our on our website at loyalhealth.com. And then I'm usually kind of creeping around most of the conferences and things like that. So you can always actually talk to me in person as well. But um, I always love to connect and and you know please feel free to reach out and uh, and and ask me anything you're interested in. Yeah, and we promise that if you do reach out to Brian directly, he won't have a chatbot respond first. Absolutely. It will be a real person, I promise. (laughs) Thanks again, Brian, for your time. I really appreciate the conversation. It was a lot of fun. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. Special thanks to one Brian Gresh for coming on the show. Grateful for for him, for his friendship, for his uh, expertise, for Loyal Health's continued support of the show. They were our very first sponsor and uh, certainly appreciate all they've done for us through the years. So it's great, great having him back on. Uh, Before we get to recommendations, uh, just a couple of things. Uh, Binary Fountain has a series of on-demand webinars you can check out over on their website. And uh, they're quick. They're like... 12 or 15 minutes or something like that, but they're, they're quick, just bite-sized uh, pieces of advice, if you will, for 2021. So go check those out. In addition, we'd love for you to uh, navigate over, like we mentioned earlier, to touchpoint.health. Sign up for the TPS report. comes out every Monday morning. Quick read there. And uh, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you happen to be listening. We certainly appreciate the support. And now on to recommendations. I'll start. Uh, I will uh, recommend, I'm going to recommend a podcast. You and I both are big fans of music. And uh, I always try to find the most interesting, you know, recent uh, podcasts around music or bands or my local radio station that I listen to. I stream it, of course, at home. They actually recommended this podcast and I went out and checked it out. I really enjoyed it. It is called Transmissions, the definitive story of Joy Division and New Order. Are you familiar with those bands, Reed? No. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't, didn't think you were. But uh, they were very big in sort of new wave music. Uh, you know, Joy Division was like some of the earlier founders of that. And the New Order became a band that came out of uh, Joy Division. Uh, for those of you listening in that are familiar with the, that band and are, are interested, or for those of you who just like to be, you know, be interested in musical history, this podcast, which was is done, um, I think it's done by actually some Irish people because their accents are very, very strong on the show, but (laughs) they go into the history of the band and how that band grew from joy division grew into new order. They do it through a series of interviews with artists like Bono from U2. And then they go into talking to the musicians themselves and they talk about their inspirations for certain songs that, you know, or they talk about, you know, Oh, I use this kind of guitar. It's just fascinating. And it's only eight episodes. Yeah. And it's a really quick listen for a fan of the band or just if you're interested in some of the the British Manchester music you know that came out in the early 80s this is a great podcast to listen to transmissions there you go transmissions uh, I am going to recommend what I mentioned earlier I would recommend which is the microphone I'm using I uh, recently purchased uh, a new microphone uh, neither one of us I don't think are, are shy about technology and just our interest in gadgets and even musical instruments, uh, et cetera. But saw this microphone. 
uh, Shure microphones uh, is has uh, long been a staple uh, in the audio world, right? And bands have used them for years, et cetera. And you'll see a lot of radio stations, and we even have some up at up at the office. But the Shure SMB SM7B microphone uh, that you see a lot, and they're XLR and et cetera, and they're great mics. Um, Shure recently came out with the uh, Shure MV7, and it is a USB or XLR um, output, and it's uh, it's made for podcasting. And so I thought, well, I've got to try it because I podcast. So I justified it and uh, bought a new microphone. And uh, it's great. Yeah, it's really cool. I, I've, you know, this is the first time I'm recording with it. Now I've used it on a week or more worth of Zoom and team meetings. And so it's really great because you can set it. To, uh, it's got some quick settings uh, that's in, the, in your toolbar on your desktop. And so you can set it if it's far away from you or right up close to you. And so there's some nice presets and, or you can manually dig into the EQ if that is your thing. But, uh, I think I'm going to like it. It seems I've done some test recordings and listened to it back. Sounds nice, but it's the Shure MV7. Awesome. It sounds really good. And you and I are now trying out this video-based podcasting platform and I could see it too. And it looks pretty sharp too. It looks like I know what I'm doing, and that is 93% of anything, really. It's just looking like you know what you're doing. So, uh, but yeah, no, another great episode. Uh, thanks for hanging in there with us. Uh, great recommendations today. Certainly, again, super appreciative of Brian Gresh coming on the show, and this is uh, it's a great topic. So we're looking forward. We're just getting started for 2021. Thank you all for being there. We continue to see the show grow month over month. And I uh, couldn't do it without you. So if you would go out, tell or a friend, that would be wonderful. Rate, review, subscribe, wherever you happen to be listening or streaming. And uh, visit the website, overtouchpoint.health. So for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.